Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And we're going to be talking a little bit about AR, VR today as we have Jamie Donnelly joining the show once again. I mean, it's it's March right now, probably going to air this in April. I'm just going to say this from the top. But uh, uh, at that point in time, Jamie will have once again navigated 31 days in March of AR, VR. Uh, and so a wealth of resources that I love taking a little bit of time each and every year to chat with Jamie about on the pod and point people to so that you can go back and access those and learn what's current in the ARVR space. And so without further ado, I'm going to say welcome, Jamie, back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. Oh, always fun getting the opportunity to learn from you. And I know that you pour so much time, effort, and energy into learning and being a leader in this space. So thanks for taking a little time to share. Uh, for those that don't know you, can you give a little bit of your backstory? What led you to be so fascinated with AR, VR, space, and education? Well, I think it just really started with the flexibility of a tool like this and how it can cross really every grade level, every subject, and that it was like, how is this possible? Like just the unknown of it was just, it just blew my mind. It was fun. It was interesting. But then seeing the impact of how this can transform learning. I feel like a lot of times we only hear the surface, whereas there are so many incredible ways of using this technology that really do make an impact. And that's the part that one, the practical usage for everybody, not just these tech gurus, but also our normal classroom out there that is just trying to get through the day that everybody should be able to implement these types of technologies. So I try to share things that don't take a whole lot of time and, and that's my passion behind it and has continued to maintain. So can I summarize that by saying that there's a universality to it that does also have some of that shiny new object appeal, but that you get to advocate for leveraging it in ways that lead to that deep and meaningful learning experience, right? Absolutely. And sometimes it starts with just the surface, right? But mm -hmm. it doesn't need to stay there and it doesn't need to stay where we're just ingesting information, but really being able to be those content creators and skills that are necessary. You know, right before we hopped on, we were kind of talking about what our kids need to be skilled with. And I think that that is a really important question when we're talking about immersive technology. So looking ahead, it's not just content per se, it's skill set, and it is meaningful learning for our students. All about that. And you are right. Yeah, my son actually will turn nine here this upcoming week, and he's got his Oculus at home that he got this past winter. And he's a big Beat Saber fan. And I... Uh, know that there are a lot more educational opportunities than just swinging a stick at boxes as they go flying past you. And so, so grateful that uh, what you're able to do through your blog, uh, through this 31 Days of March effort, can help us as educators leverage something that he's excited about and that's in his life and in the lives of our learners and help them to think about what they can do to enhance their own learning lifelong through that space. And so uh, I think we'll just go through, Jamie, what are some of the things that you focused on that people would, we could maybe point to, they could do a deeper dive by checking out the blog, uh, but that you highlighted through the 31 days of AR VR. Yeah. You know, there's kind of three angles here that I'm looking at. And we look at augmented reality, 
So what are some of the resources that we're going to use with viewing things in our space, in our world that interact and engage in our space? And then we look at virtual reality, which is being completely surrounded by a digital experience, if you will, and engaging in that content. And then also there are a couple, I guess maybe two more. I'm going to say the AI embedded aspect of the AR VR and then LIDAR technology and photogrammetry. So really looking at what it means to be a 3D content creator, if you will. So there are those angles that all play a role in immersive technology together. I mean, AI has been a, a big piece of augmented reality for many, many years. So when you're talking about like the capabilities, it's because of machine learning and AI that's made those technologies possible. It just isn't as obvious as maybe we see in some of the things that we were talking a lot about today, but there are so many instances, like even just being able to detect your face, being able to detect a body, a hand, hand gestures, being able to navigate and give commands, if you will, being able to use this technology in a way that requires AI to make a call, if you will, about what is perceived, about what it's seeing and how you want to interact. So all of these things all work together. We're talking a lot about the metaverse and where that's going, but these things are required to move forward. Gosh, I'm really excited to unpack some of that AI conversation even more. Uh, and if folks are interested, you can go back in the show and check out our past episode with Dr. Helen Crompton, where we did a pretty big deep dive on that generative AI piece in addition to this conversation, right? So I'm just sort of rounding that out. Uh, but let's kind of go through those in order that you laid that out for us there. And I'm sure that there's, this is like a Venn diagram, right? Like there's going to be some overlap where AI impacts what you're able to do in the AR or VR space. But I know, well, last time that we got a chance to collaborate for a podcast, there was some follow-up because I was supporting the district here in Nebraska with making purchases and helping them think through what might make most sense uh, for them to be able to step into this space. And uh, really the augmented reality and thinking about how we can leverage iPads as a way to have some of those gains uh, is something that... Uh, that district leaned into. And so, yeah, I guess kind of speak to the benefits of AR uh, and then maybe one of the, or two of the things that you brought up during the 31 days that you would point people to. Yeah. Well, I think that when we're talking about some of the device specific options out there, you definitely want to consider the limitations of those devices. And what many schools have moved into is Chromebook use and they've gotten rid of iPads, which obviously is one of the key resources today that we have devices to be able to leverage AR. We have wearables that will be released. There's a lot of things that are kind of coming out kind of in its infancy. And then you have Google and Apple that are just pause, pause, pause after COVID that are really making sure what they deliver is going to be something that is going to be a need in the industry. But there is just so many different aspects of what it means to use this technology in, on the augmented reality side. And a lot of it has to do with the capabilities of, again, AI. And so when we're talking about things that were released for developers called ARKit, um, that has progressed, that has moved forward. I think we're really past that point now where most devices have AR capabilities within ARKit. 
And what now that you're finding is the LIDAR sensor that's on the pros. And that is more of a limitation than anything because most schools aren't going to buy pros. But what I do recommend is to buy one, you know, having one available to be able to do scanning and use the technology in that way that really does leverage the creation aspect, but the other devices continue to be just the standard iPad for cost effectiveness. Of course, I don't think everybody needs to have a 3D scanner in their hands, but to have one available at the school or campus or a classroom or however you disperse that in a cart. But I think that those are going to be some great resources. So we have tools that allow you to scan some really crazy technology. Um, I showed Metascan just the other day when I was showing an update for CoSpaces. So Metascan is what I use to capture a 3D object. And so I was at the beach at the time for spring break. So I went in and captured one of the buildings there that you can check out items for the beach. And then you also have the chairs out there, the sand, of course, the water. And so what I did is I took Metascan and I scanned an area, general area. A lot of times we focus on an object, but 3D scanning for environments is possible too. So I went in and scanned kind of a general area with all these items and I brought it through the new mobile upload in CoSpaces where you can upload 3D objects from my mobile. I didn't, I saved it on my device. I uploaded it from my device into CoSpaces. And then I was able to layer items in addition at the beach on my beach scene that was just literally scanned right then and there at the beach. So there are, again, the app smashing aspect of all this comes together is pretty cool, but I share a lot on Polycam, Scanniverse. Uh, the one that I have listed here is not necessarily LiDAR technology, but it is uh, flexible technology. It's Luma AI. And so it allows you to be able to scan and capture. It's moving even beyond photogrammetry in a lot of ways, but it does some really high quality captures because it's not contingent on things like reflection, which is typically an issue with LiDAR because you're sending out that signal that's capturing something and sending it back. So Luma AI does a good job. It takes a little bit longer than some of the others that you will use, but I think it does a really great job at, at having a great product at the end. And so that's one example of using AR and what's happening with some of the LiDAR and photogrammetry technology that's been continuing to come out. Do you want me to go and move into some virtual reality things that have been going on? Well, I think we certainly can pivot to that here in a moment. But one thing I would say for folks that maybe are new to this conversation that aren't familiar with what LiDAR technology is or photogrammetry, um, help those individuals understand the difference that that pro iPad provides and why that helps with creation and being able to scan things like the beach scene. Yeah. Oh, so I'll tell you that uh, my brother had a job where he used LiDAR technology to be able to work with companies like Amazon and uh, Starbucks that were installing at specifically, it could be at airports, for instance, or some of the newer places that they plan to put in these locations across the country. And when he was hired to do this, basically he had a LiDAR scanner. It was a big round kind of orb that he brought into the space and then it ran the LiDAR scanning and captured every aspect. 
I mean, it's down, down to the measurement of a centimeter. So when we're talking about the accuracy of even just measurement, it's pretty amazing. But he would go into these places and he would scan before they ever got there. And then he would go bring that scan brought into uh, Matterport, which is one of the platforms to be able to bring in these 3D scans and these mapped out areas, if you will. But basically he would bring back these these scans back to the companies. And then the company would then determine exactly the placement of all the furniture. Where are their outlets? Where do they need to install new outlets? Where's the plumbing located? Where is this going to be a problem with the flow of the customers? So there's just all these aspects that they're making decisions on before they ever get there. And that was because of the LiDAR technology that can go in and per give precision down to that very centimeter of precision so that they're able to make and determine how they're going to move in and install and get their setup done. So that is something we actually have on our mobile devices. It's not obviously as capable. It doesn't happen as quickly. It's obviously a much larger device. It's going to store a lot more. It's going to do heavy lifting, if you will, for a lot of different scans. Whereas on our mobile devices, we're moving, right? Instead of it being an orb, we're moving around an object. We're going in, scanning around. But that technology is unbelievable. I mean, that device is $30,000 that he used. And in our case, we have these pro devices that have these same capabilities of being able to send out not just a light that goes out and determines the distance from one thing to the next. It literally sends out hundreds of thousands at one time. And then as you're walking around, it's mapping out the distance from your device to that object. And so it's literally mapping out this 3D object or this space that you want to capture. And then it's also picking up the texture of each spot. So it's able to identify color, which is why we're able to take those 3D objects. So scanning even yourself, you know, having somebody walk around you and do a 3D scan of you. So I did that actually at FETC and TCEA these past couple months where we did these LIDAR experience for the attendees. They went from going from what is this technology to let me actually do a scan and everybody was scanning each other to now let me upload this into an augmented reality platform. We used Merge. So we did Object Viewer. They were able to hold their little mini me in their hands. And then they went into virtual reality where they were able to upload their 3D objects. So again, the concept of building these 3D objects is not just on its own. It's literally what is necessary for the metaverse. Without 3D objects, there is no metaverse. So as we're moving into this technology, these are some of those foundational skills our students need to have. Uh, and that feels like a really great pivot then as we're talking about metaverse uh, and these 3D spaces to actually be able to put a headset on and then explore them as if it's you know, you've entered into that. So yeah, maybe uh, we can transition now to talking about VR. Yeah. So uh, I'll start off with day two for me for the 31 days and downtown uh, VR was a really cool one to explore. It, it allows you to go into these immersive spaces and everything, every item in the space has a language package with it. So you choose the language that you wanna work on. In my case, I chose Spanish and I had to go through and interact with every item. I can grab an object in virtual reality, pull it up to my ear and hear it spoken in that language. And then I had to repeat that item. And then it would go from being kind of this gray to colored. 
And so the, all throughout the space, everything starts off just gray, monotone, if you will. And all of a sudden, by the end, everything's colored and vibrant and because you went through the whole space. And then you have these challenges that you have to do where you have to go find objects. You have to be able to speak those things. So it's the whole time. And then once you progress from there, you're moving into interacting with other avatars, if you will, in that language. So it's a progression of learning a language in a virtual reality safe space. And I thought that was really, really neat. I, I walked away going, wow, in that time of capturing that video for this, I really learned a lot of Spanish that was very practical a way for me to bring this back to a visual cue, a spatial learning atmosphere, and audibly hearing that language and being able to perform it in order to be successful. So it was just, a, I think, a, a really unique way of learning language. So that's one example. Well, um, I gotta say, I didn't realize that that performative piece would be a part of what you would be able to do. And so my question, I guess, before we pivot to the next one would be if you were to pronounce the word wrong, for example. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't let me pass. It was oh. like, no, 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 that's not the right pronunciation. And so I had to listen to it, try to do it, listen to it. And sometimes it was complex. You know, some of those words were like, okay, I don't even know how to sound like that. Like, I don't think my vocabulary could ever sound like that, but it was a challenge, but it did listen. It was interpreting how you spoke it. And if you spoke it accurately in order to progress through the next step. That's really impressive. So yeah, check out day two. Where can people access this? We'll do this mid-show. We'll do it again at the end, but um, let's do that. And then we'll transition to the next one you were about to mention. Okay. It's A-R-V-R-I-N edu.com so arvrnedu.com and if you go to the blog section you're going to see all the days and this one was day two for virtual reality experience so okay I'm going to move into one that I've been promising that I would talk to you about and this one was actually pretty recent so a lot of the virtual reality that we experience again is kind of entertainment gaming but there are so many virtual reality experiences that are coming out, a lot of them in App Lab, meaning they haven't necessarily been released for Oculus yet, but there are incredible resources for you to be able to discover pre kind of wallets in beta, if you will. Um, so I've enjoyed it because I've been able to explore a lot of really cool stuff before it's finally done. And so one of the resources that have been just incredible that I explored was called virtual speech. Virtual speech I shared 2017. They had a mobile app for virtual reality where you can go in and see the scene and it would do a split screen. So you can look around, put on a viewer if you want, and you have an audience. So it could be at a board, it could be in front of a an audience, like as if you're doing a presentation up on stage, you can bring in your slide deck and you can actually go through and practice that. Um, Rochelle did a post, great example. She actually brought in virtual reality in that way for her students to practice foreign languages. So they were actually going up and doing their speeches in that language and all great examples. Really cool technology. They've taken that times 100 they just released their virtual speech and chat GPT. And um, with that, they brought in a way for you to be able to interact with an avatar who's speaking to you through the lens of AI. So generative AI. And what it's doing is you can have a full-blown conversation. So I got on 
with the per that avatar. And we started talking about job performance. I had, an, he was an angry customer at one point where I had to talk him down and how am I going to help support him? And then it was asking me about a job interview. Also, I, he goes, is there anything you want to talk about? And I go, yeah, I'd love to talk about augmented virtual reality and education. And we had this long conversation about how this is working in classrooms. I asked him about some of the pitfalls teachers face and some of the problems that we may run into as well as opportunities. And I mean, back and forth conversation, practicing with this avatar, if you will, it was unbelievable. So what they brought in and how quickly he was able to respond and how natural it felt. At one point, he even changed the roles on me and I didn't realize it because he was the angry customer and I was trying to support him. And all of a sudden he goes, you know, is there anything else I can help you with? And I was like, oh, wow, we just changed roles there. I thought you were the customer. He's like, no, 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 I'm here to support you. I was like, okay, let's go with that. But it was just a really amazing experience. That one's day 19. And I would highly recommend checking that out because I think that a lot of people are going to find that this, and I know it's going to be coming through AR as well. So as we're looking at how we're engaging with items, Virtual reality is also bringing in AI because it's allowing you to speak items into the spaces. So instead of designing it or trying to find it in the library, I can actually speak what I want it to do. And then those things are literally being brought into the space to be able to build and design. It's just in its infancy right now. So where we're going with this is pretty incredible, but it is the, you know, bringing in those digital citizenship skills that are going to be required for us to navigate this space as we're going into this crazy, awesome technology. But it's been a cool journey so far. Wow. Thinking about, and this actually harkens back to the conversation with Dr. Compton that we had around this time last year, where this type of technology would provide opportunities for a learner to be able to converse with someone who has a different uh, experience backpack. Uh, I'm just going to kind of like lump a lot of things that you could just throw in there uh, and that you would be able to, in a safe space, have a conversation where you're not going to hit any triggers with people. You're not going to have to navigate their ire, I guess, if, if you say something incorrectly, but it would make a safe space for a person to learn how to, to be a little more empathetic and to, to hold conversations about sensitive topics. So that was one thing that we had talked about about a year ago. And I love hearing that these learning experiences are hitting the classroom, they, uh, at least technology that has a capability of doing something like that. I love the feedback lens here. I also like too thinking about uh, there was a 60 minutes piece a while back, uh, maybe 2020, uh, where they had filmed Holocaust survivors and the Holocaust survivor kind of have a conversation with you. Uh, and so thinking about what it means for not only capturing history, um, but being able to maybe have those perspectives from throughout time uh, be represented in those ways as well. Am I, am I on to something here? Is this kind of where this could potentially Absolutely. Uh, find the classroom? Yeah. Yeah, actually, some of the ways that we're interacting for career opportunities, like being able to speak to, um, there's pieces of this in some of the apps that we've already seen come out. Career Day is an example of that. Verizon was part of helping that happen. They basically brought in different people represented across different industries to inspire kids to want to go into those industries. And so the students get to ask questions and those questions that they ask is aligns with the direction of how the conversation goes. 
And so it starts off with, you know, very standard, this is what I do. And then you say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this, or how did you get here? And so you're going through kind of a path, if you will, that's of interest to you as a student to learn more about their career. And I think that's, again, very simplified of where this is going, because that's kind of like, pre-programmed, but with OpenAI, we now have the opportunity to be able to bring in these conversations that make sense and that are aligned with where those conversations could and should go when they're asking about these careers. So you kind of give it this parameter, if you will, of what information you want available. And then within that parameter, the students can navigate however that they feel necessary to learn a little bit more. But I did say at one point to uh, in virtual speech, I did tell him that, you know, how would it make you feel if I called you stupid? And he, he said, that would actually be pretty insulting and please don't do that. That's really disrespectful. It was just kind of like, oh, well, he handled that very differently than maybe uh, somebody, if I did call him stupid, but it was just like, just curious, like what if I went in a direction and you're a customer, you're angry and I call you stupid. It was just kind of like, you know, he kind of nipped it in the butt. At one point I wanted to fire him. I was told to fire this per, or, you know, here's bad performance. What are you going to do about it? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to fire this guy. Like he's done. He's had low performance for several quarters. Like let's go in this direction. And so I started to fire him and I was like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. And he came back with like, well, is there anything that I can do to work in the company to support this. And it was like, well, I mean, we don't have funds. I'm sorry, we got to lay off some people. This is the reality. And he's like, is there any way that I can help support reducing the cost for the company so that I can just, like he just kept coming back with ideas. And at the end I was like, you know what? You're actually a pretty cool guy. I think we'll keep you around. It was like, he convinced me not to fire him. But it was just, it was really cool just that there was that high level of like, how can I approach this problem that we obviously don't have the capabilities of thinking right on the spot like that, like the technology does. But I thought it was a really persuasive conversation. And that was really surprising. So, and maybe we're deviating a little bit from highlighting the breadth of things that are, but we have pointed folks to the site. So I'm going to go here, <laughs> I guess. We referenced earlier, I mean, I, I have a daughter who's 12 and a son who will be nine. Uh, and I think about what this technology means for their future. And this generative AI has, uh, the capabilities of this are so endless. I'm continuously thinking through what they might need. So digital citizenship would be one, obviously, right, as we referenced there. But with a technology that exists like this, what is left for for us? I mean, even in here to your description, we're talking about he, it, it is it is almost human <laughs> yeah. without being human. Right. Well, he was presented as a male. So that's, I guess, why yeah. as, a, as a he. But um, I definitely think that as we're approaching this, there's going to be air like him switching roles on me was not what he should have done, right? You were the customer. Why are we switching roles here? But it was playful and it was fun and it was engaging for me. But I do think about people like my daughter in college, she's extremely shy and she would be horrified to get in front of people and speak. And I think about even just job interviews and how challenging that will be for her in the future. So I see this technology not as a substitute for the reality that she's going to have. 
it, I really see it as an opportunity for her to be better in her reality. But it doesn't mean that it becomes a support that takes away that reality. And I think that's where we err, right? We want to say, oh, everything. Well, it's like, if it's not really your words anymore, why does it matter? If I just want to find somebody else's words, I could just search on the internet, find somebody else's words about this, but I'm coming to your stuff. I want to learn about what your thoughts are on something. So if you're presenting information that has the generative AI in this case being presented back to somebody, um, if it doesn't have your angle on it, and now you're just repeating what has been provided to you, I think that you lose the significance of the impact of that relationship with that individual, the conversation um, that you're having, because I would have never said to a real person, what would you say if I called you stupid, right? But because it was technology, there's no human uh, emotion behind that. I was not afraid to try something. And I think that then, you know, how we have even hard conversations gave me new ideas. You know, if somebody's insulting to you, how can you respond without bringing back another insult? How do you diffuse the situation? And he did a great job at that, right? Um, there was a great way of presenting that to me. So it gave me ideas, but it certainly couldn't be him that presented that for me in the future. I would have to internalize that. I'd have to put it in my own language. I'd have to process it for the circumstance in order to make that happen. So I think that there, the human touch to it is if we lose that, we've lost everything. Nobody wants to live in that world. Right. So I'm trying to frame this within an example or like, so I would say curiosity of mine would be to say, though we might be able to create some generative AI that could serve as a counselor, right? Like a mental health counselor and would have pre-programmed all the responses you could potentially give as someone is pouring their heart out in front of you in, in need of support. Though there might be some utility to that where otherwise there might not be able to be a person, you're not going to feel empathy from those experiences with the same depth that you would from sitting across from someone. Is that, am I capturing kind of your point in an example by sharing that? Yeah, you lose the emotional connection to somebody. Could it help support that emotional connection? Absolutely. But without the person behind it, there is no emotional connection. I had zero emotional connection to this guy. It was just a experience. But if I was actually speaking to somebody on the other side, that's building a relationship. That's building a connection with a person. And I think that that is absolutely necessary. So while this is a support to help us be better about those actual encounters with people, it doesn't mean that it should ever replace those encounters. That's that's going to be very necessary for us as humans. So thanks for framing that for us. And uh, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't delve a little bit more into digital citizenship um, before we kind of bring things to a close. Jamie, anytime we get to talk it, I just love, we just keep going. <laughs> Pod would take uh, an hour uh, and I'd love every second of it too. But uh, yeah, if we can, can we touch upon that some a uh, little bit? Because that really spans across all the things that we've had a chance to discuss today. Yeah, I will tell you my experience with digital citizenship was transformed by meeting Dr. Mary Alice Curran. When I first connected with her, her viewpoint and the way that she presented digital citizenship was so contrary to the, what we typically hear. And that's a lot of no, 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 don't, 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 stop, stop, stop. Uh, control, shut down, completely eliminate problems, if you will. And um, while even my own family has faced crisis with digital, bad digital citizenship choices, 
it has been through a really great mentorship. Dr. Mary Alice Curran has come across and said, look, this is a partnership. This is a guidance. This is a collaboration that you're doing with your students, with your children, with others, right? That are going and experiencing these things. I've been a part of a lot of really incredible journeys using technology. One being starting an event called EdCamp Global, and then uh, later changed to Ed Change Global. It's still going on. I'm not running that anymore. But it was an experience that somebody hopped on while we were all in a live video and just started like threatening one of the people that was presenting. And it was so horrible. She had to call the police. It was like she started basically looking into her life and started threatening her children. It was horrible horrible. And we have it all on video. You know, it was just like the, watching what was going on. These people coming in and attacking somebody just to attack. It had nothing to do with like a purpose or anything. And I experienced somebody hopping on, cussing me out from another country. Um, it was just all around just a really like hard thing. All the beautiful things that happened. And then those two horrible things that happened, right? And how do you navigate that? Do you say, I'm never going to go live again? Do I say, no, this is never for me. And I think, again, under the guidance of Mary Alice, that it's been really amazing to say, look, you're going to run into some problems that we, we all know that that's life, right? But we need to go through this journey together and we need to talk through these things and we need to be, we need to be the examples of how people should be using technology. And we need to prepare our students to be the ones that are leading that charge and empower them to do that. So this technology that I talk about could be extremely dangerous. If you go into it blindly, you don't have a plan, there is a lot of opportunity for some danger to come in. But I think that that's where the power of the digital citizenship is in play. That has to be your foundation about how you're approaching any technology, including immersive tech. So Mary Alice has been a part of that. Uh, she runs the DigiCit Institute, and she has been doing incredible work on all different types of technologies across the board, uh, sportsmanship, all everything under the sun with digital citizenship. So she would be the reference, I would say, is the person you want to connect with. And we do a lot of work together because we know that this is critical for any technology to be successful. Gosh, we'll be sure to make note of some of the things you just referenced in the show notes. And so as people are listening in, um, not only will you be able to find links to those, but also to the 31 days of AR, VR, and EDU. So as we kind of bring things to a close here, then Jamie, um, what have I not asked? Yeah, I, I think that honestly, we're just approaching a time where everything's changing so rapidly. Uh, AR, VR has always been changing, but now we're starting to see all of our technology changing so rapidly. And I would just recommend really building a great community of people to connect with. And I know for us, the AR, VR, and EDU community, we use that hashtag a lot. There's an incredible group of people sharing resources, ideas. And anything that you approach here, I would definitely recommend just collaborating and connecting, learning, sharing, and being part of that community as well. And so they can connect through the hashtag through Twitter. But what about, uh, I mean, is that also present on things like Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn. So you're going to find that hashtag really on most social channels. 
And it's just a way for us. Facebook has a group. I have a group that share a lot of that. So there's just a ton of information always going out and people collecting and collaborating. And I think, again, that's where the power of this is, not doing it in silo, but doing it together. Well, and thank you so much for taking some time today to invite others in to that togetherness around this. Uh, I know I, on a personal level, always appreciate when we get a chance to check in and I get to learn uh, where your work is at and, and what's the latest in AR and VR. And I'm looking forward to going through uh, the blog posts as well uh, and getting a better sense of all the great things that are just, like you said, uh, evolving at rapid speed, uh, it seems at this point in time. So uh, Jamie, great to catch up. Uh, great to chat with you, friend. And thanks for sharing out on the pod. Thank you so much, Andrew.